Welcome back to the Razzball Hockey Podcast. This is Viz, and we're here the day before the All-Star break uh, with Reed per usual. Reed, how goes it? Uh, it's going pretty okay. I think I'm uh, getting sick for the second time in three weeks. So, I mean, as good as it can be, that's, right? That's pretty brutal. But God, my, my immune system is just the biggest snowflake on the planet <laughs> at this point. Like, I get sick. Then my girlfriend gets sick, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'll go over and, like, I'll, like, make you tea and whatever, and I'll, like, make sure you're okay. And she's like, no, I don't want to get you sick. I'm like, come on. Like, no immune system is that bad where I get a cold, then a week later she gets a cold. Like, I'm not going to get the cold again because she had it. Well, my sinuses are, like, a fucking pressure cooker that everyone's buying now for cooking. And, yeah, it feels great. Um I feel really alive right now. So you sound it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, we're gonna start off our uh, trade deadline preview today with the Atlantic Division. But we're gonna do that last. We're gonna update you on injury stuff. Uh, anything else that stands out over the last week or two uh, around the NHL before we break down every team's uh, trade deadline situation. You know what they're looking to do, who they're looking to move, who they're looking to add, uh, depending on who they are, all that sort of stuff. So we'll start with Joe Thornton. Uh, He might not be the best fantasy player on this list, but uh, out at least two weeks with an MCL injury, he has had a better season this year, at least than I expected in terms of shot rate. I mean, he actually has, I believe it's 12 goals already, which I didn't, that's 13 goals. I didn't really expect that after he scored seven all of last year, and I believe four of those were empty netters. If you have the IR spot, just put him on. But, I mean, if you don't, you just cut bait, right? I mean, you're you're only talking – it could be a week considering the All-Star break. You're not really missing any games. But, I mean, I still don't think Thornton's worth holding over that, do you? No, I do not. Yeah, I mean, the penalty minutes have been nice. Obviously, the power play points always are. He's got 18 power play points, but uh, plus minus is bad this year. And I don't know. I'm not too interested in holding him. Does anyone stand out for you? Are you looking to stream guys now? I mean, is Hurdle a must-own in your mind? Or are you still streaming? I'm still streaming him. I'm going to be honest. San Jose just doesn't score enough for me. Like, they're – they're really low. They're a low-scoring team, and that you know what—that's okay. But that doesn't mean like you need to own players. Like uh, they in the play, they're in the playoffs right now, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, like, like that doesn't mean I want to own them for fa- like own their players for fantasy. Like the scoring's too spread out. They lost in what is a San Jose shootout five to four mm-hmm. in overtime the other day. But like that doesn't mean that I need like. I don't need to see them play, right? Like, right. No, I, I, I don't need to play their forwards if they're just getting scoring from everywhere. Like, they're getting four lines of contributions. I, I don't need to own, like, some of these. Like, I there's not must-owns on this team. Yeah, I mean, besides Kachur and Pavelski offensively, it's probably a bunch of streamers. I am a little interested in Kevin LeBanc. He's going to go on the first power play unit consistently now. Uh, but Hurdle is staying on the second line. They're moving up Couture. I mean, maybe Timo Meyer becomes a better streamer since he's playing with those guys. But I think it's more of a wait and see how they do and how they look on Monday. I mean, Meyer does have a four-game point streak, so 
you don't really need to stream tonight because every team in the league plays with the Kings, but it's worth monitoring to see how he looks at for, for next week at least. Shattenkirk apparently has been playing with a torn meniscus basically all season. Oh, he's out indefinitely. They're shutting him down. I think the Rangers, when we do their pod, uh, their preview next week, they're pretty clearly going to be sellers. Uh, are you grabbing Brady Shea if you need the help on the blue line? Yes. I, I actually think I am because it's one of those things. They have different lines of production. They It's not normally just one line dominating. I know Rick Nash has been on an absolute heater lately, mm-hmm. but a lot like their scoring comes from all over the place, and you don't need your top like pairing defenseman to be out there when the team scores. So I like I think I would pick him up if you had Shattenkirk. Like he's gonna, he slides in on the second power play at a minimum. Right. So I, I don't really see the downside. And again, fantasy defensemen have been really rough this year. Yeah, I mean it's better than last year, but still has quite a ways to go. Yeah, I agree. I'd, I'd grab Shea too. I don't. It's going to be assist heavy probably, and the shot rate is up to like two a game this year, which is good enough. It's not going to be anything special, but it's probably worth owning. Uh, Morgan Riley went on the IR with an upper body injury. It doesn't sound like it's going to be too long. Uh, boost up Gardner. Otherwise, I don't really see much. I mean, Zaitsev's still out. I don't really trust any of the other guys. Do you? Nope. Yeah, I don't, don't think that one was worth talking too much about. Um, Sebastian Ajo, uh, the forward. Now I have to start denoting which one I mean because – the defenseman is up with the Islanders now. God, can um, we? I like. Uh, I will watch that entire game with full volume. I just want to hear the co- the <laughs> the broadcasters just get confused as all hell when they're on the ice at the same time. It's got to like, be happening. Soon. Sebastian, like the dream scenario is a one on one with Sebastian Ajo going against <laughs> Sebastian Ajo. Is it not? Like that's the dream scenario for a broadcaster. It's like Ajo beats Ajo. Like, it could go either way. It's like, um, there was a little side tangent here. There was a March Madness, I'm trying to remember what year it was, and I was in a big pool with a bunch of people. Yeah, it was back in college. And it was, uh, Texas A&M was the five seed, and Utah State was the 12 seed. And I really thought Utah State was going to win it, but I didn't have the gall to make the pick. So I just wrote down Aggies on the line. (laughs) And... I mean, the Aggies won. The problem right. is that both of them are the Aggies. Yeah. And the um, I think it was uh, one of the – I think it was Schroyer who was running that pool, and he caught on to it, and he just uh, gave me the L on that one regardless. Although, I mean, I think it still counts. Like The fact that – I like I didn't have to look it up to say that they were the Aggies, but right. who knows? The Aggies won. Like That's all that matters to me. The- but, yeah um, – Ajo's out concussion and lower body injury because right. he got – it was a knee-to-knee hit, yet right. he's, and he still suffered a concussion off of that. But I, it looks like he'll be back really shortly out of the All-Star break, which is a good sign for Carolina. Yeah, not too much. Again, you're not really streaming tonight, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, I guess I'd give Elias Lindholm a little boost, but not, not too much. My, my story on the same lines, I always used to laugh when – the Kings would play like the Blackhawks or the or the Stars, and it would be my last name is Zabisky. It would be Viznowski and Vishnevsky going at it all the time back and forth, and the announcers just 
naturally fumbling those names because they're pain in the ass. But yeah. uh, Taylor Hall's missed the last two games with a hand injury. No surprise the Devils have struggled without him. Could he's also tonight. out tonight. Yeah, he's, he's out. He's out tonight. He's out tonight. Yeah, that's um, – I think I just saw that a little bit while ago. He's also out tonight as well. Right. I mean, I guess <laughs> there's no real margin for error. I mean, they've come back to the pack a little bit. They're 2-6-2 two, and two in their last 10. Uh, Philly's tied with them, although the Devils have a game in hand. Uh, Blue Jackets are one point behind them. So is Pittsburgh, even the Rangers, even though they're struggling. And the Islanders are lurking. They're, they're coming back to the pack. I mean, based on the athletics projections – Devils are only 52% to make the playoffs now. I'd personally put it a little higher, but they're in danger, and they really need Hall back sooner than later. I mean, uh, who are they playing tonight? You know, Oh, they're playing Nashville. Like, I, If you're playing DFS, I think it's a great spot to use Renee or, or Saros, whoever's in that, because they're struggling big time. Yeah, I agree. Although the game is in New Jersey, so it makes it a little bit difficult. Like, this is the type of game where everyone writes off New Jersey and they'll win like four to one or something. Yeah, it's like this is just possible. that type of thing. It's just that type of game. Uh, Andre Palat is out six to eight weeks. Uh, oh, actually, we should go back for the Devils. They might be starting a rookie goalie in his first game tonight. Ken Appleby. Uh, Good reason Lord. to stack the Predators because. Uh, Snyder was uh, hurt in the Bruins game. Kincaid has been okay. I really want to use him, but I definitely wouldn't use Appleby. Makes me want to stack Predators guys, but especially if Forsberg comes back, because he's probably still listed as out on the on the DFS sites, and people who make their teams early aren't even going to notice that he's back. But back to Palat, six day weeks with the lower body injury. Injuries are starting to add up a little bit for Tampa with. Uh, Hedman being out, too. We'll talk about the team in general soon enough. Uh, they rearranged these lines. I mean, Johnson's playing on the wing now with Point and Kucherov. Kunitz is on the second line with the Mesnikov and Stamkos. I mean, I can't bring myself to use Kunitz like, at all anymore. But maybe Yanni Gord? Is, he's been solid. Uh, Kalorn, do any of these guys do anything for you? I mean, obviously... The five guys I listed first, they're all holds, so they're not available anywhere. But do you like any of these secondary pieces? Uh, I like Yanni Gord a lot. Um, I, I think it's going to be really underrated. It's going to be somewhat of a shock when he wins the Calder Trophy this year. I think he's tied with Matthew Barzell for most points. No, he doesn't have that many, does he? Um, he, I think he has a... He has way more than you think he has. Hold on. I uh, have a, no, they're tied in goals. Oh, they're tied in goals. I'm sorry. But he has been on absolute fire the last however many. In mm. fact, I mean, he's got 32 points in 48 games. Like, he's a plus 18. Like, I like Yanni Gore a lot. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but. He plays enough. I know in the last several games he's only had like 12 minutes of ice time, but he is on their second power play, and it's not like either power play unit is a joke. Like those those fuckers produce. So I still like Yanni Gord. 
out of that group. It's one of those, I want to see how the lines change once they get healthy. Because then again, it'll be Stamkos, Kucherov next to each other. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Yanni Gord moves up to the second line. And if he does, I'd love him even more there. Right. So... Um, like he's playing, like he looks fast. He looks good out there. So it'll be interesting to see how um, how Tampa overcomes these injuries if they overcome the injuries. Because who knows? Maybe Boston passes them. Yeah. But we talked not, about whether yeah, it's not. We talked about whether Boston should pass them or not. Right. Yeah. I mean, Barzell is Barzell Besser. Probably Sergeyev still had a gore too, but he. For a 26-year-old out of nowhere, it's been a great season. He is borderline. I mean, the shot rate's not good, but everything else is, like, even 25 pound minutes, everything else is decent enough that he's definitely a good streamer at the least. R&H is out four to five more weeks still with a rib injury. I mean, Edmonton has been a dumpster fire since he's been out. It really just kills their lineup. I mean, their lines are just so bad right now. Like, yeah, I, can we talk about their lines? Go, can, I'll give should we do that now? I'll give you the floor. Go ahead. Okay, um, their lines in practice after their absolutely horrific game against Buffalo, which I'm going to be honest, I I don't think I've I've watched a game this year where the Sabers were objectively a faster, more skilled, and just quicker team than mm-hmm. the opposition until so. that game against Edmonton. Like Connor McDavid, like he had flashes, but it felt like he was just going through the motions because of the rest of the team was so fucking bad. Um, their penalty kill is absolutely embarrassing. Um, so their lines are McDavid, Kajula, and Slepyshev, <laughs> which, uh, like, Slepyshev's being offered for, like, a seventh-round pick on the trade market. Kajula is a failed, like, he's a third-liner at best. The second line of Strom, Maroon, and Cassian is just an absolute joke. Ryan Strom has 17 points. He was traded straight up for Jordan Eberle, who has 38 this year. Like, I, I just don't get it. Peter Shirelli is the worst GM in the league. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care how bad any future trade is. I don't care about Mark Bergevin in Montreal. Peter Shirelli is the worst GM. He took a McDavid. He took a team that was going to draft McDavid. That was gonna that had four number one overall picks on it, and he found a way to completely fuck it up. Um, they're not getting help in the future either, for the most part. Like the third line, Drysaito, Camilleri, and Pakarinen. Yeah, like it's pretty bad. That that's that's not good. Drysaito is getting no help, and then to me, this is great because your fourth line is is eight million dollars in Latestu, Puya Yarvi, which. I don't know why they're keep putting him on the fourth line. And then Lucic and Chiara rotating that left wing spot on the fourth line. I, like it, it is absolutely amazing. And then the defense is still bad. Yeah. And Cam Talbot has not been good this year. I like, I am amazed at how bad this team is, how little speed there is on this team. Like, I'll say this: if they win the number one overall pick, if they win the lottery again, oh, I'm done. I'm done watching the NHL. I'm done doing this podcast. I'm just done with it. Like, it's complete fucking bullshit. 
this team is just a joke. How much do you think McDavid really loves that contract he just signed? Like, if I'm him, I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, if I'm him, I go to the ownership and I say, give me a new GM. Like, I don't think, to me, this isn't even a, you need to fire the coach. This is, there's a inherent problem with the roster construction and how bad of return on trades they got. McDavid needs someone who can actually skate with him, like a Taylor Hall. Imagine if they had a Taylor Hall or if they acquired oh, him for a trade or didn't fucking trade him away. Like, something like that. Like, I know I might be sounding a little bit heated, but holy shit. Like, <laughs> how do you botch getting the best talent to come out of the draft since, what, Gret- like Gretzky? I-, I think McDavid was more highly touted than Crosby coming out. Yeah, probably. Like, I mean, if it's not Crosby, it's probably Lemieux. Right, like or Alexander Daig, I guess too, but he flopped. You know, yeah, so like you know, at this point, McDavid's not flopping. Yeah, McDavid's not flopping. To me, it's just like, how do you botch this so badly? And I don't even know how like short term you like. How long is it going to take for them to rebuild? Like, <laughs> it depends. Like, if they get Dalene, then it might not take long. But right, but like, look, like, look at their like what forwards out of this group. Would you realistically think, yeah, this is what they need for the future? Like McDavid, Drysidle, Puya Yarvi. I'd include RNH too, but that's really. Uh, yeah, it. like RNH is injured, but how much does he really solve this problem? I mean, it has hurt him quite a bit, I think, but I mean, he's not going to turn the whole team around. The problem is the defense is just awful. Clefbaum has had a brutal year. Uh, it, so is. Everybody really on their blue line, to be fair, except Nurse. I guess that's the only encouraging thing in my mind for them this year is, I mean, Pugliarvi, too, to an extent, but he's not getting real time. I, I would be encouraged by Nurse's progression if I was them, and that's about it, really. I mean, I, the thing is, you can't really say you didn't see it coming because he messed up the Bruins, too. I mean, can you imagine the Bruins if they still had Sagan and Dougie and Boychuk, for that matter? Like... It doesn't make – he's just so bad. I don't get it. And you mentioned the coach. Like, they can't play him McClellan anyway because that's just going to look bad on himself because of how bad his team is. So Yeah. Also, with Darnell Nurse, how pissed do you think Edmonton is looking at uh, in that game against Buffalo? I mean, losing 5 nothing, your your penalty kill is, like, hilariously awful. Mm-hmm. How annoying do you think it is? I know Nurse has looked a lot better this year, and he has progressed. That you took him, I think he was one or two picks before yeah, Rasmus Ristolainen. He was the pick before. Yeah, he was a pick before Ristolainen, and Nurse is now just starting to come into his own. Meanwhile, Ristolainen's been playing like 28 minutes a game for the last like three years mm-hmm. for Buffalo. You're just sitting there, if you're Edmonton, like, son of a bitch. Like, we missed on that too? Like, it's a, probably a little bit too early to say they missed on it, but... Yeah, he, the, I, he really is coming around, I think, but I get what you're saying. I mean, if they had they had Risto last year, the way Clefbaum was playing last year, and you had Risto on your second pair, maybe that would have been enough to get to the conference finals and beat the Ducks. I don't know. Uh, Mark, but yeah, look, I, I just don't get how this team could be so bad. Yeah, it's completely deserved. Like I was, like, I was legitimately laughing watching them play the Sabers the other day. Like Sabers are on a back to back too, and you still get completely worked. A back to back against Calgary where it went to overtime. Right, it went to overtime. 
And Robin Leonard, who's been pulled in three out of his last like five starts or four starts or whatever, pitches a fucking shutout in Edmonton. Also, crazy stat. In the two games that Buffalo's played at Edmonton's new arena, they've outscored at the Oilers seven to two. And they've obviously won both games. Like, that's ugly. That's just ugly. Like, they're in a bad way, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's not like the contracts, it's not like, oh, they're, they can revamp their defense core. Like, no, they're going to start to have cap issues because they signed Chris Russell to a longer-term deal. Like, they have Milan Lucic for the fucking albatross of the contract he has for six more goddamn years. Like, how do you solve that? Yeah, I... <laughs> He's the guaranteed lock to be the um, when the new CBA comes up. They're at the owners. They'll give up. They'll allow. They'll let the. They'll put it in the uh, collective bargaining agreement. Players can go to the uh, Olympics guaranteed. No fight from the owners if the owners get like two contract buyouts. I think. I think they might do one. I think one's probably even likely, but I don't think they would do two. Well, regardless, Milan Lucic is going to be the guaranteed buyout, right? Like it can't oh, be anybody else. For like, if I would, I'd, I'd more, I'd take out like five mortgages on the house and bet them all on. Yeah, the f- I mean, there are a lot of bad contracts around the league right now. I think the only two that come to mind that are definitely worse is Seabrook and Shea Weber, just because Weber's term is so long and you know it's at like over seven million a year. That's it. I mean, you could argue Lucic third, no problem. Yeah, Martin Jones had to transition out of that a little bit because we're going down a dark <laughs> into a dark place at the moment. And ugh, damn Oilers, they do get Dolly. I'm gonna lose my mind. But uh, Martin Jones out the last three games with an undisclosed injury. We talked last week pretty extensively about Aaron Dell playing better than Jones anyway. Uh, Dell had two really good starts. I mean, they beat the Penguins, uh, beat the Ducks, and then he got destroyed by the Jets. The other day gave him five on 23 shots only. I mean, I expect him to be back in net tonight against the Rangers. I would use him. I'd use him until Joe. Every time he plays, I would use Dell. I mean, he is 16 starts. He's won 12 of them. He's got a 9.23 save percentage, and that was after a 9.31 last year. So, I mean, I'd feel pretty confident about Dell. The only thing, I thought there was a chance he could get traded where you stumble into some really good value because he's making like 650K and he's UFA. And there are a lot of teams around the league that think he could be the next Talbot uh, and, or Ranta for that matter. But now with the questions around Jones, I mean, I think with the Sharks being in second place, I think they have to hold tight on Dell in case they have to use him in the playoffs as they get there. Yep. Um, yeah, I think they hold tight on him. Yeah. So, <laughs> Brad Marchand, another elbow to the face, gets five games this time, which I guess a little better, but less than I thought. And Marcus Johansson was concussed again. He had one earlier in the year, missed 12 games, which is just brutal for him. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you own Marchand, you just have to suck it up. You can't put him in an IR spot. you got to let him rot on your bench for – the next week and a half, but you know the risk when you own him. He's been amazing when he's on the ice. It just pisses me off that he feels the need to do this kind of stuff because he's such a good player. Yeah, um, this should have been 10 games. I, like, 
we talked about it before we started recording. Like this absolutely infuriates me. I don't think five games sends the appropriate message. He's still going to the all-star game. Okay, fine. Like, uh, like this should be 10 games or some team or, like, when they play Philadelphia, Radko Gudis should just fucking cross-check him right in the fucking beak. Like, this is un- – it's unacceptable. That that play was not natural. That, that elbow to the face of Johansson was not in any way a natural reaction to the – to the like the way Marshawn's body was moving, it's dangerous. It like they're trying to take these hits out of these plays out of the game, and just suspending him for five games. It's not like he's a one-time offender. Dude's been suspended how many times now this, for shit this like is this? This is sixth one. I saw Larry Brooks was going on a rant about it. Like you should get double digits because the team's like enabling it. Like Cassidy, I understand you have to defend your player, but he's like he's protecting himself from contact. Like. He literally jumps, lunges, elbow first into the head of noted goon Marcus Johansson. <laughs> like, what is Johansson going to do? Give me a break. Like, it's just ah, it's so frustrating. Like, all it takes is one time laying the hammer down, and it'll really change how guys go about themselves. But if they keep getting one to five games, you know, barring like swinging your stick at someone's head or something, it's not going to get the point across. To tie into Marshawn going to the All-Star game, Jonathan Quick suspended for Tuesday's game because he's not going to the All-Star game. He says he wants to rest an injury that he's been playing through, but he's been back. He backed up on Wednesday. He played Tuesday, but got lit up by the Canucks of all teams. They're in the middle of a playoff race, and he's now can't play against Dallas on Tuesday. I just... I think he just should suck it up and go. Tell him you don't really want to play. I'm sure Fleury will play 15 minutes then. You can play five or however long they go last in the tournament. Like It hurts your team for you not to go. I know they won last night in overtime, but that was without him. They are on a brutal downswing before that. They were 1-7 in, in the previous eight, and none of those losses were in overtime. They, they only had two points. They're right back in the – in the mix now, the Athletic has him at 48% to make the playoffs even after yesterday's win. And now you have one game without Quick, and I just think that's really dumb of him to not go to the game and suck it up. Yeah, it, to me, it's actually interesting because they have only like $3.8 million in cap space. And I remember a couple of years ago they had an issue where they only had like 400000 in cap space and they had to play with five defensemen because they couldn't afford – to call up an <laughs> AHL defenseman. That. Like, they have the cap space to call up a goalie. Right. Yeah, Why wouldn't you just have, call up? Right. If you actually if put him actually out, injured, right. just, like, make him inactive and say, like, he's not healthy. We're going to, if we're not going to start him, like, we don't want him in the game at all because he's injured and he, quote unquote, wants to rest his injury. Just fucking call up a goalie then for that game. Right. I, yeah, I have I have them at one point three million in space, but I mean, one day of a backup goalie is going to cost you like ten grand. Like, just call him up. Be done with it. Like, like you said, they can't suspend him if he's out, out for injury for the game before. It's the same stuff with with Taylor Hall. He could still play even if he doesn't play tonight. But he's he's hurt. He's hurt. Just call up a backup. It's, it's not complicated. Um, as far as potential guys returning tonight, 
uh, Jaden Schwartz, Philippe Forsberg, Mark Stone, and Tyson Berry could all be back tonight. If not, they're going to be back right after the All-Star break. So uh, get those guys off your IR. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before we do the division trade deadline previews? No, I think we should just get right into the division previews. All right, we'll start. We'll start at the top. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are the favorites in the league. They're projected for 113 points, 100 percent to make the playoffs, 73 uh, percent to win the division. I think the Hedman injury really drove that down. 30 uh, percent to make the finals and 20 percent to win the cup, which is by far the highest. They're currently looking at. Uh, a decent amount of space of almost three million. So, you know, they can add a contract that's under six million, no problem. Obviously, a team can always retain salary for them as well. As far as draft picks that they have owed or coming in, their books are pretty much clean. Uh, they could have a four. They have the Penguins' fourth round pick. But they could potentially owe it to to the Golden Knights. So it's. They're basically pick neutral. And as far as long-term commitments go, they already have 18 guys signed for next year at about $64 million. The talk is the cap's going to go up anywhere between to 78 to $82 million. Uh, it's at 75 this year. Let's assume more towards the lower end, though. They usually exaggerate the stuff. And as far as free agents go, uh, they don't really have much. I mean, Andre Schuster and Kunitz are the only UFAs. And for RFAs, it's Nemestikov is obviously going to get a raise, uh, Cedric Paquette uh, and Michael Pekka and Slater Cuckoos and Louis Domingue now that they traded for him. So there's really not much there. Most of the guys are locked in for multiple years, so they can add whoever they want to. Uh, if you were running, if you were Steve Eisenman, uh, is there one specific thing that you'd be targeting at this trade deadline? Um. I'd probably say, like, a depth forward and maybe, like, a defenseman. I think Thomas Vanek to Tampa Bay makes so much sense because there's so much speed up there and skill, and I think Thomas Vanek could absolutely flourish with that. And you can put him on a power play if you want to. You don't even have to do that. I mean, I think but, you should if you, if you do get him. I think that is one of his... Biggest strengths. I mean, the second unit's fine. He doesn't have to force his way out in the first one. The first unit. The first unit scores like a po- they score like a power play goal like every game <laughs> or something. Crazy. Like they're so good. But I mean, there's not really much you need with this Tampa team right now. They're just hit with injuries. Like some more forward depth isn't going to hurt. Like yeah, I'm no- more interested in the defenseman for them. I think. They probably need it. I think they need a top four guy on the blue line a little bit. I mean, I know Hedman's out. Strawman has been solid. But after that, you're looking at Jake Dotson and Schuster and Coburn and Cuckoo and Girardi. I think they're probably one guy short there. They don't. They obviously don't need anything that badly. They're the best team in the league for a reason. But I would probably, if I was them, target someone to get on the blue line potentially in a top six role. I mean, they have the space next year to add someone who has a little term on their contract, which is for the best because the the UFA defensemen this year are really poor. I mean, we'll get to them through, you know, as we go along, but 
we're looking at like Mike Green and Good Branson. There's just there's very few defensemen that aren't signed for next year that are going to move the needle. So hopefully they add someone that has a little term because it'll get them someone better. Eisenman's been super aggressive in the past. I mean, obviously, I think the first-round pick is in play for somebody if need be. But I don't see them making a drastic move for, like, a, a Kane, Pacioretty, or Hoffman, do you? No, I, I don't know because that's too much, I think. I think so, too. Uh, they're not the most interesting trade deadline team. I think we're going to get more interesting stuff towards the bottom of the division, actually. Although Toronto will be... Uh, an interesting spot. Uh, most likely guy on their team to be traded. Is it any, like, is anyone really? No. Yeah. No, like, I don't know if you give, even give up a roster player or try to I give mean, up a roster player. Depending how they feel on Slater Cuckoo, I guess I'll say him. Uh, he's an RFA. He was a top 10 pick, so maybe some team really likes him, and that's a guy as a young roster player they could give up to get a more proven defenseman. But you're right. It's They might not trade anyone off the roster, really. Uh, moving to the Bruins, they are actually the second favorite to win the Cup based on the athletics projections. Uh, 11%, obviously 100% to make the playoffs, projected 109 points with a 27% chance to win the division. They have $6.3 million in cap space right now, so that's not an issue at all. Uh, they have 14 guys signed next year for about $60 million, give or take. Uh, Spooners in our favor, Toronto. Uh, it's really, yeah, I mean, Kenobin's a free agent, Chara, but if they bring Chara back, if he doesn't retire, he's going to make less than the $4 million he is anyway. This team could really add a lot in terms of salary if they wanted to without issue. Like, I know you have, like, Biloxi buried in – you know, they still owe Seidenberg money, too, but they have a lot of cap space. They're giving their top guys a decent amount of money, but they have a lot of guys on ELCs, too, like McAvoy. So uh, if you were running the Bruins, would, what would you be looking to add to this team? Um, I'm going to be – this is going to sound weird. I don't think I add anything. Not because they don't need anything, but because you have like young players. Like we uh, we always talk about how their first line of Mar- uh, Marshawn Bergeron and Pasternak is so good, mm. but they have so many like young forwards coming in. Like they have young defensemen that are stepping up now, with, especially with McAvoy. I don't know if it's smart for them to mortgage any of that for a run this year. Uh, to me. Like, uh, how much worse? Like, do you do we think they're going to be better or worse next year? Because I think they'll be better next year. And um, yeah, assuming that Bergeron doesn't take a step back, they should be better. Right. So, like, why why mortgage it? That would be like last year Toronto mortgaging the future for a run last year. Like, you made the playoffs, great. You're really good, but you're also incredibly young. Like you don't need to add any. You don't need to give up a piece of the future for a run this year. Like your team's good enough right now to contend to win the East. I, I don't see a reason why they would need to make a move. I think that's uh, there's like a common misconception. I think in terms of buyers and sellers at the trade deadline of 
well, this team's in like last place. They need to make a trade, or this team's in first place. They need to acquire somebody. I mean, if the team is built the right way, you don't need to acquire anybody. And for me, I'm not sure if it makes sense for Boston to give up one of those young pieces to go and grab somebody for just this year. I don't really, I can't really argue with any of that. I think I agree for the most part. I think the one thing that could be in play is they trade. I think they're in play to make a big trade if they want to. A guy who signed for a while, I'm talking like a Mike Hoffman. You put Hoffman on the second line with, with Krejci and either DeBrusque or Spooner, and you're looking at a really good top six. Hoffman's still signed for two more years past this year. I think that's the kind of move they could make. I agree. There's They're not going to bring in like an Evander Kane or, or another rental type of guy. I don't see that move. But if there's someone that they could add to their core, I could see a big move happening but nothing on the smaller end it doesn't make sense the young guys have developed well you know Krug has been fine and steady too they're getting a decent third pair right now uh, yeah I don't I just don't see them making anything drastic I mean maybe like a fourth liner that they add like a Mark Latestu or something for whatever a mid to late pick but I don't see them paying up for a big-time rental doesn't make any sense. The Maple Leafs are in an interesting spot, that's for sure. I mean, they are, based on the athletics projections, 93% to make the playoffs, uh, 7% to make the cup finals, uh, $2.8 million in space, so room to add if they want. The one interesting thing is they have a lot of space for next year. They're only at fifty-one million on the books for for seventeen guys right now. Uh, I didn't run through the Bruins draft picks. Oh, quickly going back, it's they're basically pick neutral. Where Toronto, if they do want to add, has a couple extra picks. Um, they have an extra second round pick from the Sharks. Um, they have a pick from the Devils, or they gave up a pick to the Devils. Uh, God, I butchered this. They have a pick from the Devils for them, uh, Lou Lamarillo, and then they got it back. Uh, they have a third-round pick from the Sharks when they gave them James Reimer in the condition was that they made the cup finals. Well, they did. So they have the extra third there, and they gave up a six for Picard. So overall, they had their top picks, but you know it's nothing drastic one or the other. The interesting thing for them is they have – their own rentals, relatively speaking, on the roster already. JVR is a UFA. This is Bozak, Komarov, Dominic Moore, and Roman Polak. Uh, RFAs, Connor Carrick, uh, Shostakov, who hasn't really been up this year. And then Nylander, who's obviously going to get a raise. But the rest of the team is kind of locked in. And they're going to try to get in the Tavares sweepstakes. They're going to spend a bunch of money in the offseason. For right now... I, I don't think they're going to make any real moves. Uh, maybe you could see some depth ads for sure on the blue line. If there is a big trade for a defenseman out there, I could see them trying to do it, but I just don't think that moves out there. And I think they're just going to keep JVR, Bozak, and Komarov and then let them leave and just hope for the best. Do you see them doing anything different? 
No, I think if they add, it would just be at the blue line. Um, Roman Polak should not be in the NHL at this point, and he's seeing significant minutes for this Toronto team. And like, if you go up to the hashtag TML talk, like it's honestly a true. Like, I hope Roman Polak and his family don't look at it because holy Christ, it is, it is terrible. It's really savage, and. Like, he's just not meant for today's game. He has been meant for today's game for several years now. He's just slow. Um, they lose when he's in the lineup. They win when he's not in the lineup. To me, I, I, I don't get it why he's still playing. Um, they need defensemen, especially with Morgan Riley out. Yeah, yeah. Like, has been out too. That's the thing. He's really in because they're down two guys. But. Like they're not gonna miss the playoffs. Like let's just call it what it is. The the Atlantic Division representatives for the for the playoffs are locked in stone. It's Tampa, Boston, Toronto. I don't care what order you put it in. Mm-hmm. Probably Tampa one, Boston two, Toronto three. Yeah. Um, I could see them moving JVR solely because of the idea that the Matthews eventual extension, the Nylander extension, the Marner extension, which all of a sudden Nylander and Marner extensions look a lot cheaper now than they did, say, before the season started. They're going to bring up the salary cap, and as Pittsburgh has shown, when you have those high-priced guys, you need young talent, young cheap contracts to come in and supplement them. So they're going to need those guys, and you could get a good haul for JVR. I think you could get a good haul for some of these guys, for some of these UFAs. And like, does it matter for Toronto? Like, they're not missing the playoffs if they trade away JVR. No, but I, I don't think they want to get steamrolled by Boston either. I, I mean, it might not matter, but the perception of it might be bad enough that they don't want to do it. Like, say, uh, say Tavares. Say the Islanders sneak in and they are the competitive first round, and then Toronto gets absolutely steamrolled. Uh, maybe that turns them off a little bit. I mean, I doubt it, but uh, I don't know. Part of me thinks they're just going to roll with JVR and let him leave after the season. Whether that's right or wrong, we could debate it. Considering we don't know Hoffman or Patches are going to go, uh, JVR is right. It would be right up there with with Kane for the best. Uh, player best winger available probably best player period so i think they should at least consider it I mean, he's had a very solid season i think they should consider moving bozak too if someone wants him for their middle six as a center i don't think he's really moving the needle much and he's a nice player but i don't know i don't necessarily want to give him his next contract either yeah it's just weird, like, to me, I guess in my mind, I don't think, I don't think it matters. I think they're getting steamrolled by Boston regardless. Okay. So, to me, like, and I think Lou Lamorello and Brendan Shanahan are smart enough to realize, like, this team's not beating Boston in a seven-game series. Yeah, I guess that's the way right. I look at it. Like, you yeah. can have faith in your team. You can believe in your team. But at some point, like, you have to have pragmatism and pra- whatever, realism, <laughs> and be like, 
like I'm too sick to fucking get the the right syllables out. But like you get what I'm saying though. Like yeah. you have to be pragmatic about it and be like, listen, I, I I love our team. I support our team. Like I'm the general manager or vice president of hockey operations of this team. But I like I know this team as constructed is not beating Boston in the first round of these playoffs. And there's no real addition we can make. There's no move we can make to change that. No, I like don't think unless so Tuka Rask gets injured, and even then, Kudobin's been playing well enough. Where does it matter? Yeah, it might not. You never know. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement here. It's not the most uh, interesting thing to say, but I mean, that's the truth of the situation. I mean, they have only eight forwards signed for next year, uh, and you know Marlowe. Kadri, Hyman, Matt Martin, Connor Brown, Matthews, uh, Marner, and Kapanen. You sign Nylander, you're still going to need three more guys, too. So they're going to have an interesting offseason. I think they're going to be throwing uh, a decent amount of money around, but obviously they can't go crazy because Matthews is going to get a raise from the 3.775 he's making now as a cap hit to... Like, what's his contract look? It, it's got to be more than 10, right? It's got to be somewhere in between Eichel and McDavid. I, I'm sure that's what he's going to want. I mean, I'm not convinced he's really any different than Eichel. I think the same contract would be pretty fair, 8 for 80. But I'm sure he's going to ask for more. They might give it to him. He might ask for McDavid money. I don't know. Like, It's kind of a, it's a tough spot for Toronto to be in. I mean, what are they going to tell him? No. Yeah. Um, to me, that's why I, I don't think Toronto's a serious player in the Tavares sweepstakes. And I, at the same point, I don't think they're a serious player for the Dowdy sweepstakes either, which is another interesting one. I think that's not this upcoming offseason, but the one after. Because like they can't afford that because then they have no depth. They can't afford any depth players. Mm-hmm. And that's when they... I was just gonna say maybe I'm wrong, but I don't I don't see Dowdy leaving. I mean it's not impossible though. But and Carlson's a free agent then too. I mean both of them in that situation. Uh, <laughs> we could talk about that when we do Ottawa coming up because that is oh, what a mess. Uh, let's just go to Detroit now. Detroit, the first team that's kind of dead. Uh, they have a two percent chance to make the playoffs according to the Athletic. Uh, cap space wise, you know, they're they have four point four million, and going forward, actually, they they don't have a ton of space on their books. Um, they have sixty two million, almost sixty three million in contracts right now for next year, and they still have to pay Larkin, Anthony, Mantha, Frick, and Bertuzzi as RFAs next year. For a team that's not that good, their cap situation's pretty ugly. You got six million from Zetterberg, five point three Tatar, five point two Nielsen, four point seven five Nyquist, four point two five Abdulkader. Then you have Franzen, who's almost four million, which they could probably get away, put him on a long time term IR. That's fine, but almost four million for Helm, almost two million for Luke Glendening. And then you go to defenseman, five million Danny to Kaiser. Another year at 4.7 for Cronwell, 4.25 for Erickson. Like, there's just a lot of money, almost 5.3 for Jimmy Howard. I didn't even include Morazic as an RFA. Like, this team 
can't really add anybody because they just have so many mediocre guys on bad contracts. Like Nielsen and Advocators, the Advocators, sorry, still have a lot of term. Uh, Darren Helms has three more years. Luke Lindenning has three more years. Andy Kaiser's got four more years. They're stuck with <laughs> the mediocrity on the bottom of this roster. It's pretty bad. Yeah, um, this is a team with one of probably the bleaker futures, like down the road. Like those are all bad contracts that have extensive term to them. Mm-hmm. Like as a seller, like the only two pieces I could see being moved are Mike Green and Peter Mrazek. But who the fuck wants to take on Mrazek right now? Like, uh, he is. He did have back to back shutouts, and then he gave up three the other day. He's been playing pretty well. Again, you're right, though, to an extent. I just think, like, we don't know if any goalies are going to be available, and we've seen him put together a really good year before. Could some team take a gamble on his upside? Sure. I I think it kind of would be smart, depending on who you are. Problem is, he's already making $4 million. He's an RFA. He has to go up from there, so you have to give him a decent amount of money, potentially, unless you just get him as a rental and then just cut bait with him. You don't have to give him a qualifying offer. You're going to say, nope, see ya, if you really want to. But with Dell, you know, the Sharks becoming dependent on him, it's really Mrazek and Laner to me. If Sabres decide to move him, uh, that's available. I mean, Green's 100% gone, right? Like, right. Whoever like, the, whoever's the highest bidder is getting Mike Green. Whatever. That could be the, that could be the guy Toronto brings in to try and like help out with the blue line. But the problem is, Toronto doesn't have any defensemen that play, like, true defense. That's why they keep putting fucking Roman Polak in the lineup, even when their defense is all healthy, because he's, I'm using air quotes here, but sound in the defensive zone. Like, he plays, like, defense, but that's not really what they, like, it's not what they need, but also what I think they need need at the same time like they need shutdown defensemen but there aren't any on the market so yeah i mean green what do you do on a cup team green's on the third pair power play guy like yes counting on him more than that is is probably a mistake i mean maybe if you got a really good top three defenseman he could play with one of them on the second pair maybe but uh, it's pretty tough i mean what teams could you see going for him you mentioned toronto is there anyone else that you could see, like the Devils, maybe with him as a rental? Back, the, the, back in Washington as a rental on the, because their blue lines kind of. They could, but Washington's been doing okay without, like the depth on the blue line. Like I could see them doing it, but then again, they like. Do probably, we think that Washington had buyer's remorse after the Shattenkirk trade last year? Like. Well, it won't cost them that much, but I get what you're saying. I mean, I think they are pretty confident in Juice and Bowie that they probably don't bother. That's the thing. I'm just, it's kind of tough to find interesting partners or interesting teams for Green to go to. Like, who is he really going to help? Yeah, Maybe it'll like, be interesting. Like, do the Islanders want to just play even more wide open and show Tavares, like, oh, we're kind of – we're not, like, going all in or anything, but we're going to add a little bit uh, – I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough to find. He, again, he's definitely going to be traded. Somebody's going to do it. I'm just not really sure where it's going to be at this point. I mean, if you were them, would you 
be willing to give up some middling draft pick or tie Mike Green on to one of these bad contracts and take less return just to clear the books a little bit. Like, obviously, Franz, and they don't have to really worry about it. He might not play again, which is sad, but truth. Like, would you give up a pick to tie in Jonathan Erickson in his two more years at $4.2 million? Like, should they just be strictly in asset accumulation mode, or should they be trying to clear the books a little bit to dump these guys? I think, like, for Detroit, it's weird I think most of their moves would be off-season. I, I don't think the trade deadline is really an appropriate place to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, they need to move contracts. Like, So when you're rebuilding a team, like, Detroit needs to go through, like, a hard rebuild. You want to first, like, before you do anything, you need to make sure that you have cap flexibility, that you don't have bad contracts. Detroit is literally just one giant bad contract that they have. Like, they need to do some, they need to, like, perform some magic in order to clean up the books. And if that means sacrificing some picks, like, to try and get the, like, getting less value on a trade just to get these players off their, like, cap hit, I'd be for that. Like, I, I think it would be smart, too. You know, It's something you see in the NBA a lot more, and I think, you know, we talked about it on the basketball podcast the other day that we could see a lot more of where Tyreek Evans, for example, isn't going to get you a first-round pick. But if you give them another little sweetener and you take back one bad contract, then you probably will be able to get a first-round pick. I, I think it would be smart of Detroit. I mean, they already have an extra second and a third this year. They have the Rangers second from Ottawa. Ottawa got it in the Brassard-Zavinishad trade, and then it went to the Red Wings in the Brennan Smith trade. Then they have the Penguins third-round pick from the Riley Sheehan trade. So, you know, it's nice. They already have an extra second and a third. I don't know. Like, I just don't know what Mike Green. Maybe he could get you another third or second conditional or something, depending on it. But I think they'd almost be better off try, tying him to someone else. And someone else just buries Erickson that has the cap space. I mean, there are some teams that have plenty of cap space going forward that it would make some sense for. Uh, I mean, Vegas obviously has a ton of space, but I can't see them making that move. But, like, why can't Vancouver make a move like that? Like, they have tons of space coming up, and they're going to have even more young guys on ELCs. So they could trade. They could make this trade, get a give up a mediocre pick, and then flip green themselves if they want to and just eat Erickson, something along those lines. Yeah, I can see something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a little more creative, but I think at this point, you kind of have to be. I mean, it is nice that the salary cap's going to go up 3 to $7 million depending on where it hits this year, but there's no guarantee at all that it's going to keep going up. So I would be proactive and try to less dirty their books a little bit. Fifth place in the Atlantic is the Canadians. They're basically dead for the playoffs. They're at 9%, which is probably even a little higher than I would go. Uh, as far as draft picks go for them going forward, uh, they have two extra seconds already, which is nice. Uh, they have the Blackhawks second, uh, which came with Philippe Deneau for Fleischman and Dale Weiss, which 
God, that turned out pretty bad for the Blackhawks. And then they have the Capitals' second-round pick uh, for Lars Eller from the four. So that helps a decent amount for them going forward. Uh, you know, as far as current cap space goes, uh, they actually have 8.8 million, so they can do whatever they like for next year. They're at 58 million now with 16 guys signed. So, again, plenty of space to sign as if they really want to. And as far as free agents go, I mean, Placanich is a UFA. Uh, and then it's just lesser guys like uh, Delorier. And for RFAs, you got Deneau, who's going to get a decent raise. I mean, he was not even making a million, but I can't see him making more than like three, three and a half million unless he gets some like super long term deal where he eats up UFA years and maybe it's like the four range. Uh, Jacob Dale Rose, Daniel Carlo, and Shaw. There's not really much here in terms of free agents. Uh, so I don't really know who they're going to move, look to sell off. I mean, obviously there's talk about Pacioretty. One more year at a $4.5 million cap hit. Uh, Galchenyuk is even in play. Two more years at $4.9 million. Like This team could make a huge trade or do relatively nothing. I think that's where they're at because – you have Petrie locked in, Alsner locked in, they have Shaw, Gallagher, uh, all these guys that are in like the four to five million dollar range, and then obviously Weber's big hit. So I I think they're going to try to be big free agent players in the offseason. I mean, if you had to pick one guy in this team to get traded, Who's, who's most likely? Because I'm struggling to guess. Like, I'm tempted to just say Galchenyuk and they make some bad trade, but I don't really see who anyone else is going to really want from this team. Yeah, I, it's to me it's either Galchenyuk or Pacioretty, and I think both will end up with Montreal being the loser in that trade. Kids, we talked about how bad Peter Shirelli was earlier. Mark Bergevin's just not a good GM either. Mm-hmm. I, about, or go ahead. So, like, as you said, like, I think you're exactly right, though. It's either going to be a big trade involving one of those two forwards, or honestly, I, I think they just do nothing. Could you, could you see someone giving up, not a big asset, but something for Paul Byron? For the bottom six, he's making uh, $1 million next year. And so, obviously, you get a little extra value getting to keep him. He's turned into, like, a decent player, surprisingly. I mean, he was a no-name prospect for the Sabres. Didn't do too much in Calgary either, but since he's gone to Montreal, I mean, he had 22 goals last year, and he's got 13 so far this year. He is pretty fast, I mean, he's not a big guy, but I guess I might say he's the most likely to go. If they could sell high on him, I mean, he's shooting an absurd percentage, absurd percentage but – that's just who he is. He's not going to take a lot of shots. He's going to take a lot of in-close shots. Uh, could you see him being a target for some teams as a bottom six guy? That I can absolutely see. I can see it. So it's interesting because a lot of these teams where I see like these players doing like a perfect fit, like Paul Byron, perfect fit for me would be like Tampa. Mm-hmm. The problem is they're in the same division. And teams are really weird about trading in the same division. I mean, they, like, are, they are, but they're usually not about Paul Byron's of the world. Like, I couldn't see them trading Galchenyuk to the Sabres. But I right. could see them just trading Paul Byron to Tampa. I don't think that's going to – I mean, those two teams just traded Juran and Sergachev, so. 
Well, I mean, when Montreal calls you and makes a terrible, or like when you make a joking offer to Montreal, like we'll take Sergachev in a second, we'll give you Jonathan Druin, and you don't think anyone's like you don't even make it seriously, and Montreal's like, yeah, let's do it. You're like, uh, uh, okay, all right, like hold on one sec, and you just spend five minutes with on the mute on the conference call, just laughing because it's highway robbery. And you're like, all right, yeah, let's I'll file the let's file the paperwork. Like to me, that's the only way this happens. Like unless Montreal gets robbed, I don't see how they make a big trade in the division like that, mm-hmm. or any like any deal in the division because. And I think I think they're gonna start to get really weary about trading because Bergevin's just been burned so many times. Yeah, it could. Yeah, I mean, I think Byron's an easy fit for a lot of teams, bottom six. So like, a lot of like teams. Back in Calgary, San Jose, just another depth guy to add. The uh, Wild. Like, there's he could just go everywhere. I think it would be smart for them to, to sell high because it's not like they're going to be a contender next year anyway. So might as well sell him off before you have to pay him a big contract. Uh, for the – Florida Panthers now, so they're they're in a tough spot, and they're also a super interesting team to me. As far as cash base goes, six million right now. Uh, they already have seventeen guys signed next year for sixty four million, uh, and you have Petrovic, uh, Brickley, McCann, lower guys RFA, uh, UFAs go. It's really just Verbata and Colton Sevier, so nothing pressing there. They have the hard part done, man. You have two centers in Barkoff and Trocek who are under 25 years old, who are already a number one and number two center, without a doubt. You have your top winger in Huberto locked in. Dadnoff looks like a great piece. It's supplementing those guys. Uh, you know, this had, uh, the Athletic has them at a 15% chance to make the playoffs, actually. I, I could see them making some bigger move. I could see them... Even adding, which seems kind of weird, but adding some guy who does have years on his deal just because they think it's a good time to make a, not to be aggressive and add for this year, but they're probably the team out of the playoffs right now that's out by a decent margin that has the best chance of bouncing back and getting in next year in my mind. So that's why they're an interesting spot. Now the problem is, if they, the 15% seems high to me because Reimer got hurt the other day and Longo has been out, and then Harry Sateri comes in and gives them six goals, and their goaltending is just a mess. But, uh, you know, they're kind of locked into this team in a way. Uh, but I don't know. Do you, what, I mean, they should solve Verbata this year, uh, two and a half yeah. years, you know, but I don't know. I just. I don't know. What would you do with Dale Talent's shoes? Because it's a, it's a weird situation for a team with like this much star power, but the rest of the roster is just so bad that they're down. I mean, I don't, I don't know. What would you do? Cause yeah, I, I think if I'm, if I'm them, I think I sell Verbata. And then it's interesting. Like they have prospects like in the pipeline that can come up. Right. And they would be a really interesting team. Like if if they could convince Montreal to part with like Galchenyuk and you put Galchenyuk with someone like Trocek, 
like to me, all of a sudden your top six becomes incredibly scary. Mm-hmm. And then I think just on the blue line, that's the like, tough part, right? So I mean, you have Ekblad locked in for seven and a half million for an eternity, and Yandel for six point three five for an eternity. You just locked up Matheson for four point eight seven five. You have Pesic for two more years. I mean, those that's a solid top four. I mean, Yandel's not that great, but Pesic is a super steady second pair guy. I think Matheson's getting better. So I guess that would be a place to target is the third pair. Or just yeah, tearing it up in general. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't think you need to do that right now. No. I, I think that's an that's an off season thing. Right. Yeah, I mean they they probably stand fat, but I mean they they do have picks from Arizona coming. Uh, for loss and cruise, depending if it's a first or a second or a second or a third, depending on how many games he played for the Coyotes. So I, I'm not sure if, if it clicked in yet, if it's a second or a third. But either way, I mean, that's going to be a very high second or high third. So that'll help a little bit. And like you said, they have Owen Tippett coming. He already played a few games. Henrik Apala, uh, they have some decent prospects. and I mean, it's tough. Like, what would you do with their goalie situation? Because you, the Longo's still locked in. Reimer's still locked in. But neither of them have been that good. And, I mean, I wouldn't feel good about having those guys for the next three years, which unless Luongo retires, they trade Reimer. That's where they're going to be. Would you consider trying to move Reimer? Like, you can, but... It's just weird. Like, they're in a weird spot because they have, like, as you said, they have the hard part figured out, but. Mm-hmm. You usually uh, don't see two teams having, multi, or you usually don't see a team having two goalies signed for, like, five years each at the time. And I thought part of it was so, you know, for the Vegas expansion that they were going to maybe just let sign Reimer and let him go, <laughs> really, but. Instead, they gave up a fourth-round pick uh, to let Vegas take Riley Smith and Johnson Marchessault, which, I mean, can you imagine this team? Right now, if their top six was Barkoff, Huberto, Dadnoff, then Trocek, Marchessault, Riley Smith, with Bukestad, uh, Jamie McGinn, and, like, McCann as your third line, this team would be up there with, with Boston and Tampa. Yes. No. <laughs> it's pretty amazing how how that's turned out really um yeah i think let's just go to ottawa and buffalo now because i think they're the two most most interesting teams i mean ottawa's zero percent to make the playoffs they're just stone dead uh you look at their books going forward current cap space bring it up quick they actually are over the cap right now uh it says them incredible eighty four thousand over the cap and i'm not sure they must have got uh, either a bonus clicked in, which will be terrible for them, or they're getting an injury exception somewhere. And if you look at their cap for next year, they have the second most money owed and the most contracts. And they have 21 guys under contract for next year. And it's $67 million, And that's with Stone as an RFA, who's been their best player this year. He's at a point per game. His cap is only three and a half. Uh, Cody Ceci, who's horrible but they keep giving him big minutes and think he's good for some reason uh 2.8 million is an rfa and then you know, freddie clayson not a big deal but 
they're like locked into this horrible team. Like Bobby Ryan, seven point two million. Hoffman, five point two. Brassard, five. Duchesne, five. Zach Smith, three point two. Burroughs, two point five for another year. Zingle, Thompson, Pyatt, all locked in for over a million dollars. Then you know Fanuf, seven million. Oduya is a UFA too. I forgot to include him, but like this team is just so bad. They they might be in the worst shape on everybody. Now they have Colin White. They have Shabbat. That's encouraging. They're going to have a relatively high pick. At this point, they're third last, so a top six pick. But I, they have Carlson's looming exit, too. Did you see his interview the other day? I did not. So it was, it was all interviewing a bunch of different players, and he, he basically said, you have to let the young guys play, make mistakes, and get used to it, not flip out on them. If they make mistakes, don't be so strict to the system. Like he was basically shitting all over Guy Boucher's style of play, and he already said they're not going to take a discount. I don't see them trading him now, but I think in the off season it has to be in play, and then this team is going to be absolutely awful. But that's maybe what they have to do if they can't convince him to stay. I mean, their books are just so bad. Like, who do you even trade away? Like maybe you can get a super late pick for someone. Take Oduya is like their six seven guy. What are you looking to even do? Like you're almost stuck with this team unless you trade Hoffman, which isn't going to make you any better either. Yeah, I like they should try and move almost everything off of that team right now. Like in terms of untouchables, Shabbat White. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can't. Unless you can get some god package for for Carlson now, but which that, doesn't happen at this trade no, deadline. That's an that's an off season. Anyway. And the worst thing is too, like they oh the Avalanche a first round pick. Now it's they were smart. They made it top ten protected this year, and so Colorado's not going to get it for the Duchesne trade. But that means they're going to get it next year. Is it protected next year as well? Um. I don't see that. I just see top ten protect. No, top ten protected this year, unprotected twenty nineteen. Oh my god! So if you trade Carlson, I mean you're just giving up a great chance to get uh, Jack Hughes. Like it, <laughs> this team is in such a horrible spot. Uh, they gave up a second round pick to the Rangers too. So. And they don't, and they give up a third round pick to Colorado. So they have, they don't even have extra picks. They give away extra picks. They have, they're going to have their own first because they're so bad. They're not going to have a second or a third. They have an extra seventh. That's it. So they're not even going to add to a prospect core that's not good if you eliminate Shabbat and White, which they're technically not graduated yet, but they're going to be soon. So I mean. The problem is, like, who's going to take these guys? Nobody. Right. Can you trade? I think Ryan Zingle, maybe. He could help someone in the bottom six. Uh, one more year at a $1.8 million cap. In. Sure. Maybe. Uh, no one wants your defenseman. Maybe, you know, maybe like I said, Oduya because he's an older vet with experience. But I, I think teams are getting smarter now moving away from that even. No one's going to want Condon or Anderson. I, I think – uh, Peugeot is a guy a lot of teams would like. Uh, $3.1 million for the next two years. 
very solid defensive player. I mean, he was key to the Senators' run last year. He's really the one guy that I think would be appealing to others, unless they decide they're going to move Hoffman, which sounds like they're going to. And then you're just going to be left with books with empty space and bad contracts then. Yeah, I... They are in really bad shape. We talked about Detroit. Mm-hmm. Dude, Ottawa is just yikes. Yeah. I mean, Those are bad contracts everywhere. Their, the books are, are, their books are as bad as anyone. Like The Kings owe more money for less guys, but at least the guys they have signed for the most part are still like good contributors. Right. Half the guys in Ottawa are, aren't even that anymore. Like Brassford contract is fine. Like who's who's on a good contract on this team that's not – uh, on their entry level deal, uh, Hoffman, Stone, but he's uh, an RFA in one year, and Pajot. That's probably it. And that just says all you really need to know about where Ottawa is. But I mean, if you were them, you put Brassard on the table, put uh, Pajot on the table, Zingle, all those guys, just try to dump them. Or are you still not giving up on Brassard and even Duchesne? Like, I wouldn't sell him now just because his value is probably at an all-time low with how bad it's gone since he's got there and doesn't look good for him either that Colorado's taken off since he's gone. But like you said, I, I, I think you have to put everything on the table and no one's untouchable but Shabbat White and, and Logan Brown too, who's not on the team yet. But it's Are they in the worst situation, anyone in the league? Yes, I think they are. I think I have to agree. It's crazy saying that having Carlson, but with him only one year left and he might leave too, like they're just in horrible, horrible shape. Yeah, I think Carlson actually gets traded at the uh, at the draft or in the off season. I don't think it's pretty either. That that team is just like to me the FNUF contract holds everything back. Mm-hmm. Like if they get if they move enough off the books, okay, you have a little bit of flexibility. Like you can do some things. They're like he's so bad, and they're like they're eating so much salary for him. Like it's absolutely astonishing to see. You know, it, it really is. Like you know, it's my, amazing my how dream, bad it my is. dream spot for Carlson is. Where Vegas. Oh my God, he he would be just a gem. It would. I mean, we'll talk about Vegas later, but obviously they have loads of extra picks for uh, expansion stuff. That no extra first because they had the three this year, but tons of other stuff. And I don't know, it'll be super interesting. Um, let's go to the Sabers to wrap this up. Uh, going a little longer, but that's fine. Giving you guys some good info. Um, cap space wise. Sabres got about 5.1 million right now uh, for next year. They still have, uh, I mean, there are 55 million right now. Only 13 guys signed, but they're going to have a bunch of guys coming up on our uh, entry level deals like Gooley, Middlestad, etc. Uh, you know, Laner is an RFA, depending on what they do with him. Uh, Sam Reinhart also is RFA. Uh, Victor Antipin, who I hope they keep. He's looked good when he's been in the lineup. Uh, I mean, we could start with the Vander Kane. Clearly going to go. He's talking already in interviews like 
he's going to get traded. There's no way the Sabres are going to keep him. Uh, what do you think, as a general idea, what kind of return do you think they're going to get for him? I think some team is going to give up a first-round pick and a prospect for mm-hmm. him. Like, I, I think they'll do it. People think it's nuts. Personally, I, I don't, don't think, think – No, I think that's I think that's about right. I mean, everyone thinks like the four-piece thing that they're asking for is kind of nuts. Well, yeah, that's just negotiating one-on-one. Like you right. ask for more than what you realistically expect mm-hmm. to get the bargaining position. Like that's how negotiations work. So – Right. I mean, I think I think a first and a solid prospect firmly in play. Whether they can get a conditional or anything like that, I don't know. Uh, as far as draft picks go, for the first time in basically forever, the Sabres don't have extra picks. Uh, they swapped their third for the Wilds' fourth in the Scandella and his Wild trade, so not much really there at all. Uh, as far as teams go for... Kane to go to? Does anyone really stand out? I mean, obviously, a lot of teams can use him. He can fit right in their top six at least. No problem. Yeah, I, I agree. Just He fits in the top six almost everywhere. Uh, like, Do you like they, him for a certain team more than others? It's tough. Like, I, I think... Um, I think Carolina would be an interesting fit. The problem is like who's going to be able to give you the first round pick and the prospect and the prospect, right? Yeah, I mean but, Carolina has so many defensive prospects that I guess that could be an option. Maybe they like, can give you two of the prospects if you really like them instead and you don't get the first, which I think Bodrell would be okay with mm-hmm. too, like if he's comfortable if the Sabres are comfortable with those prospects. It's going to be interesting, though. Like, I could see Dallas taking a run at it. Uh-huh. Dallas would be a very interesting fit. Um, yeah, like, I really like the Sharks for a fit, too, personally. But the problem is they don't have a second or third. So can they? will they really trade their first and not have a pick in the first three rounds? I doubt it. Would you take their 2019 first instead for a little extra ammo there that, you know, if the Sabres – are good next year and they want to be better than you have that first is ammo to trade. Maybe uh, they have a ton of good defenseman prospects. Now some of them are up on the team now, but still like Jeremy Waugh is a guy I really like. I think he's going to be really good in fantasy eventually. Uh, could be an interest in the blues. I feel like a lot of teams, I mean, there's talk the penguins want Kane, but I just don't see the prospect they're going to give up. That's going to make it worth it for the Sabres. So exactly. Uh, but he's, he's a lock to go. Obviously, you know, you're going to get your later round picks for Puyo, uh, Josephson, uh, maybe Chad Johnson if he keeps playing well, just someone will do it, but I, I doubt it at this point. Uh, is there any – could you see the Sabres making a bigger move? Uh, could you see anything really else? Like I, Kane is obviously the focal point. They're going to get a lot for him. They have plenty of cap space going forward uh, I think with the way Reinhardt's played they won't wound you no I don't think so I think they're seeing enough out of him now it'll be interesting to see. it's interesting like if a team offers like something significant or like mm-hmm. interest enough I don't think Botterill 
is like tied to Reinhardt. Right. But I don't think he's like actively saying like Sam Reinhardt's on the market. Like I want this for him. It would be a team calls him and says, "Hey, what would it take for us to get Sam Reinhardt mm -hmm. from you?" Then okay, then a discussion begins. Do you think <laughs> former All Star Zemgus Gergensen has been on the first line so they could potentially trade him? No team, no bombs. team is no team is dumb enough to do that. No team is I, dumb enough I, to do. I that. I still think he could be okay as for someone's bottom six, fourth line probably, but you're not going to get much for him. But he hasn't been as bad. Um, the possession numbers have always been decent, considering how bad the team is. And he's generally had a defense, more of a defensive role. He doesn't this year, at least lately, but. Uh, it's hard to come up with any other guys on the Sabres. I mean, this is another situation. Like, would you give up an asset for someone to take Zach Bogosian's last two years of his deal? Or are you just running with just letting it expire, basically? I think they're going to have to let it expire. That's a tough contract to take on. Yeah, I'm probably with you, too. I guess we should talk about Laner, too, in case uh, they do decide to move him. They decide they want to go with Linus Olmark or sign someone in the offseason, I guess. Uh, he's got four – he's a $4 million cap at the RFA, so his con next contract has to be more than that in theory. Uh, it, what team would you think he would help the most? Is it Carolinas, the Islanders? Is it somebody else? Both of those teams. I think another interesting one, Florida. Hmm. I think Florida would be an interesting team. Um, I know they I know they have a lot in goalies, but you can't like if they move Reimer, well I could see them turning around and I mean what if what if the Sabres took Reimer back? Like would the Sabres ever do just like a one for one? Like no, no, you'd no, have you, to you take him back and you just get a little better back than whatever they were gonna give for maybe. the year. I, I mean I've, Reimer's fine as he is. Like he could be a number one, one A, one B with Olmark next year if they really wanted to. What What do you think they could get in return for Laner? Though is the question. Can you get a second round pick and a good prospect or a decent prospect at least? I, mean, I don't see a first being in play. Obviously, it wouldn't be with the Panthers. The problem is with the first is a lot of these teams who could use them might miss the playoffs and. <laughs> How far are you going to give them protection-wise on that pick? Yeah, that's the interesting part. Like, what do you do? Top 15 or top 14 yeah, protected, protected this year? Yeah, and then what? Unprotected? Like, I don't know. Like, no top three no one's protected gonna, yeah, right. Year. No one's going to risk, like, complete unprotection for for Laner. But Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like, this Crawford's practicing, so I don't really see it there. Edmonton's not going to jump ship. Um I don't know. It's uh, he's the best goalie on the market. Whether they trade him or not, I don't know. I, I think he's I think he's better than most do. He could really help one of those teams, I think, but not so easy to make a move. I mean, again, with the Islanders, they're locked in to Grice and Halak for a while. Let me bring up their page quick. Uh, you have on oh, no, the Halak's a UFA, so I guess. Karoslav can become a two-time saver if they wanted to swap them and get something back. Uh, Grice has two more years at $3.3 .3 which is 
reasonable, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> besides Kane, who do you think is the most likely guy to get traded? Is it just Josephson or Puyo to someone's for their... Yeah, it would be some bottom six guy who's not really that impactful. But like Kane and Leonard, for me, are the big ones that I think will end up getting moved. And then everything else would be like for a fifth round pick or right. uh, like a fourth round pick that somehow conditional if they make the cup moves up to a third or something. Right, makes sense. Um, yeah, let's go to the three point challenge now. Uh, we don't really need to break down every game. It's a, literally every team in the league plays with the Kings. Uh, so we can just talk about guys we're considering, I guess. The top. 10 in points right now. Kucherov, McKinnon, Tavares, Stamkos, Giroux, Goudreau, Kessel, Voracek, Bailey, and Blake Wheeler. No one has hit it lately besides you. So, uh, give you your, give you the floor and give your thoughts. So, I'm tied between two people. Um, Eichel's the hottest player in the league right now. <clears throat> and I'm, like, considering him. The other one, uh, Toronto just played last night, and they have to go to Dallas and play. Dallas is really good at home, and the line of Ben Sagan and Radulov has just been on unfucking believable lately. Mm-hmm. So the Ben Sagan combo really intrigues me as well. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go hometown style. I'm gonna pick Eichel just because, uh, like, he he's on fire. Like until someone stops him. I, I don't see it. The power play all of a sudden has come alive. It's the power play from last year. Now they're all playing really well. This is the best Ocposo has looked in a thousand years. <laughs> I mean, really, since he got sick. He's, he's playing better now than he was even last year, but he looks like his Islander self, at least put it that way. Um, who I'm considering... I- just random side note, but can you have, could you ever imagine before the season that Detroit would be a favorite in a game against the Blackhawks? No. Detroit's minus 120 tonight. I know Crawford's out, but still. I mean, Ottawa's a mess, so Boston guys are firmly in play, but obviously Marshawn suspended. I mentioned Nashville guys earlier, uh, potentially with Ken Appleby making his first career start. Uh, Calgary guys, too. But they played last night. I'm going to go with the Corsi God, Jonathan Marsh's show. Uh, they're at home against the Islanders. That game could be 6-3, 6-4. It really wouldn't surprise me. Over-unders, 6.5. And, and I just think Vegas is going to score a ton of goals with the Islanders, how they play defensively, and just their goaltending in general. So I'm going to jump on the Vegas wagon for tonight and uh, go with Marsh's show. So... We'll wrap this up here. We'll be back next week. Uh, there really won't be any player news to talk about since the All-Star break is this weekend. So we're going to focus solely on the Atlantic Division, or not the Atlantic, the Metropolitan Division, and those eight teams, what they're looking at. Uh, should be a bit more interesting because all eight of them could be buyers. I mean, I think we, the Rangers are not going to be a seller, but the other seven could buy. As always, you know, go to hockey.rasball.com. First post that'll be up there, or second, depending on when you listen to this. Will be a break uh, about this podcast. Let us know your thoughts, uh, your three-point challenge pick, any suggestions on things you want us to do going forward. Uh, 
all that good stuff. Uh, a five-star review in the iTunes or whatever podcast you use uh, helps us quite a bit. So please do that. Uh, anything else, Reed? No, I think that's it for me. Um, I'm actually looking forward to the All-Star game. I yeah, think was, those games thought, will be fun. I thought last year <laughs> the format change just helped a lot. It was so stale. That it makes things a lot more interesting. I wish the NBA was televising their draft. I think that would be a lot better. But I could get a little bit why they don't because it's just so awkward. Like Phil Kessel the first year just sitting there. <laughs> it was just it was kind of good TV though, right? It's like waiting, yeah. waiting, waiting, and then he wins MVP, right? You know, people, it's gonna leak. Woj or Shams is gonna find out the order guys got picked anyway. So you might as well televise it. I think everyone's shaming them into it that they probably will next year. But yeah, this three on three format's exciting. Uh, not that it really matters, but who's your pick to win? Uh, the Atlantic. I have it. Yeah, man. It's hard to really argue with that. Who are who are the defensemen from the the Atlantic? I'm trying to think. Um, Hedman's hurt, so it's not. I mean, Carlson. Uh, who the hell even made it? Hold on, I'm pulling up the <laughs> rosters now. Yeah, I mean, because did they name? Okay, defense. The defensemen are Mike Green and Eric oh. Carlson. Because Hedman's out, and that they didn't replace him, right? Yeah, they put Braden Point. Right, they didn't replace him with a defenseman, I meant. So <laughs> I guess you're going to see a ton of Carlson on the ice. So, yeah, I can't really argue that. Like, way. I just look at the forward group. Barkov, Eichel, Kucherov, Marshawn, Matthews, Stamkos with Braden Point. Like, seems good. Yeah, it seems, seems <laughs> pretty good to me. Uh, I'll just say the central, but I don't have any great feelings about it either way. Uh, for you, those of you who do enjoy the, the All-Star game, I hope you enjoy it on Sunday uh, in the skills competition or whatever else. Um, We'll be back next week, as mentioned before, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Take it easy.